Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad you were here this morning. What a great time of worship with our worship team this morning, wasn't it? I always think it's just a glimpse, it's just an nth of a degree of what it's going to be like to be in heaven with all of the saints, all of God's children worshiping God forever and ever. It's going to be uh, such an amazing thing that we get to look forward to. And we need to be thinking about that because we are a kingdom people. And we need to have a kingdom mindset. And we've been uh, in this series that started last week, uh, Kingdom Worker. What does it mean to be a kingdom worker? Last week we, we uh, talked about how um, we have to have the heart that's right. And we talked about two things last week. We talked that we need to repent. We need to actually turn our back on sin and go toward God. We need to repent of our sins and turn toward God. We also talked about how sometimes maybe our motivation or our lack thereof is just the fact that we need to love God more. I mean, when the God of the universe sends his son to be a sacrifice for us, what more motivation do we need than to love and to worship and to serve the God of the universe? It's amazing. His power and his great, great love that he has for us. And so we're in week two, and today we're going to be talking about the preparation of a kingdom worker. Now, I do want to remind you of something. We have something in the East Lobby. It's going to be up here out there the whole month of, of August, and that's the kingdom worker wall. You might see those pallets out there, and they have all those little clips and all those little cards. We want everybody to go by and to look at that because there's so many opportunities for ministry that is out on that wall, the kingdom worker wall. So many ways for you to take your God-given gifts and spiritual gifts and talents and abilities and personality and experience and say, how can I leverage all that God's created me to be and use it for kingdom work? And today, as we talk about preparation, we're going to be talking about specifically how we need to mature in Christ Jesus to be prepared for kingdom work. And we're going to be uh, talking about what that looks like this morning. So if you have your Bibles, let's begin there this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As always, if you're online with us or in the room, you can grab your phone or your tablet. You can download the Oakwood app. Just search Oakwood Enid in the Google Play Store or uh, in the Apple Store and download the app. And if you go to Sermon uh, there and Sermon Notes, then all the scriptures and all the bullet points and everything will be there for you. And you can even take notes in the app right there. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse 17. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's really talking about... Um, just as a great reminder of who we are when we accept Christ, that we actually shed the old way of life and we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 17, says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Some translations say there, he, he is a new creation. If there's anyone in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Right? So we don't want to go back to the old way of life. We want to walk in that newness of life that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, verse 18. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, right when we accept Christ Jesus and he begins this process of sanctification, this process of spiritual growth and maturity in our life, we immediately accept this call into kingdom work that others would hear the gospel and respond. And this he calls the ministry of reconciliation there in, in verse 18. That we have this ministry of rec reconciliation. Look at verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. 
And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So in verse 18 there, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And in verse 19, he says, there's a message of reconciliation. How are we to know these things? Go on to verse 20. He says, we are therefore, because of what we've just read about the reconciliation we have to God, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're his representatives to the world. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message, right? That's the gospel message to all who are apart from Christ Jesus is we need to encourage them. Be reconciled to God. And look at verse 21. What a great summation of the gospel. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I want you to think about what we just read. We have the ministry of reconciliation that's given to us as we are new creation, a new creature in Christ. And that ministry of reconciliation requires a message of reconciliation, which is what we're going to be talking about in the message today. And then he says that we are Christ's ambassadors and that we would actually become the righteousness of God. Did you catch that at the end of verse 21? We actually become the righteousness of God. Now, I don't know how you feel this morning, but sometimes I feel like I am not the righteousness of God. I, I want to be like Christ. We're called to be like Christ. We're called to, to mimic the things that Christ did. We're called to be uh, growing toward Christ's likeness, to be a good representative of God, a good ambassador of God to the world. Remember what it says in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses he was talking to the followers there, the disciples. He said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and even to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my ambassadors, my representatives. You are my witnesses that will give testimony. And you're actually going to become the righteousness of God. It's amazing. The call to kingdom work right from the very beginning. He doesn't say you have to be perfect. He says you have to be redeemed. He, he says, you need to be growing in knowledge of me. You need to be growing more in your relationship with me. But as soon as that begins, then you are put to work for kingdom usefulness. In this process of us continuing to grow, we need to prepare ourselves, right? We need to equip ourselves for the kingdom work that God has called us to do. Now, I want you to, to, to turn to another passage of Scripture. It's in 2 Timothy. So if you're in 2 Corinthians, if you just turn to the right in your Bible, just a few books, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. Because our identity is wrapped up in this idea that we are going to be kingdom workers and that God's not saying, hey, do, go do kingdom work and figure it out on your own. No, he's going to give us everything that we need in Christ Jesus. He's going to give us everything we need. He's going to equip us and prepare us for kingdom work. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us how this works. This is what it says. All scripture, talking about the entire Bible, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So what, right? So that, look at verse 17, so that the servants of God may be what? May be thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. For some good work? No, all of it. That your kingdom service Every good work you do for the kingdom of God requires this training in righteousness that you may be thoroughly equipped. He uses those words very wisely. 
very strategically. That, let's just read it. Let it soak in again. Go back to verse 16. All of Scripture, all of the Bible is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The reason that we teach The reason that we rebuke, the reason that we correct, the reason that we train in righteousness is so that we will be thoroughly equipped for God's kingdom work. And everyone in the kingdom has kingdom work to do. And if you're sitting here this morning saying, well, I'm in the kingdom and I don't have any work to do, you're wrong. Scripture would say you need to get busy and find out where your ministry service is. And you need to start sharing the gospel and leading by example in all of these areas. So I want to share some thoughts on, on these two passages today, especially homing, honing in on 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The first thing we can draw from this is this. Effective kingdom workers are growing spiritually. Okay, effective kingdom workers are growing spiritually. And we talk about effectiveness. I want you to pay attention to that word. This is effective kingdom workers. Now you may say, why? Why is this significant? It's because your kingdom effectiveness is directly related to your spiritual maturity. And I can give you lots of examples of this. And you have probably already had this thought just start to cross your mind. What does this mean exactly? What does this look like? If I came to you this morning and I said, the Lord has need. And we are missing, let's say, a a third and fourth grade teacher for uh, Sunday mornings. And and we really need a third and fourth grade teacher. And I I really want you to pray about that. I want you to think about that. I, I want you to perhaps answer this call to be their teacher. There is this level of expectation, even by the fact that I would approach you, that you have some kind of Bible knowledge, right? That you would know some scripture. I mean, you don't have any scripture knowledge at all then you probably ought not be teaching third and fourth graders, right? I mean, these are formative years. These are years where their worldview is being formed in each and every exchange, each and every sentence. And it's so vitally important that who we get to teach those third and fourth graders would be someone who has knowledge of the word and who is a growing and maturing Christian. Not someone that says, hey, I arrived 20 years ago and I've been the same ever since. And No, no, no. Someone who is continuing to grow, someone who is spiritually mature, that we see an increase of love, an increase of faithfulness, an increase of maturity in their life. In other words, they're changing right before our eyes. They're transforming into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying they're perfect, but we see growth. Now, you, you, you know what I'm talking about here, because we've all seen and experienced that in life. And we understand, too, that if we can't be spiritually mature, that sometimes our spiritual immaturity rubs off on others, right? And all the parents in the room said, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I've raised some kids, and I wish I hadn't done that. And little Johnny's big Johnny now, and he took on one of my bad habits, and man, that road rage just passed right on down. He's such an impatient driver, and collective elbow throws. I saw a couple of you wince. It's okay. It's okay. There's forgiveness for that, too. But we, we get into this mindset where we need to understand that we are called into the likeness of Jesus Christ so that people will follow us. And we talked about the scripture just a few weeks ago. The, the, the apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think we need to all acknowledge that we need some godly examples with, with flesh on, with skin on, that will actually be good models 
and point us in the right direction. I think we're losing so much of that in life. We need some good godly men and godly women to be godly examples for us, to put themselves out before us and to say, you know what, I'm growing in knowledge of the scripture and I'm training in righteousness and I'm moving God's direction and because of that, I will have great kingdom effectiveness because I'm growing in Christ. I'm not stagnant. I'm not falling away. I'm not going back to old patterns of behavior. It was 2008 that I became the senior minister here at Oakwood. And one of the things I felt compelled to do right away was to figure out what made people grow spiritually. Because, you know, it's one of those things you become senior minister and it's kind of like, wow, got a lot to learn. And I remember going to conferences. I remember going on a retreat with, with Bob Russell and, and, and just looking at all of this different, all these different things. And it's amazing how much, you know, data we have in the church. And I remember looking and thinking, of all the people that are in the church right now, and the church was, was much smaller, less than half the size that it is now. And I, I remember thinking, you know, what makes people grow into maturity? Who are the people in the church right now that if you were to point at them and say, man, those people are on fire for God. Those, those people are really growing in knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. The, those people are, are, are really the ones that we look up to spiritually. What is it? What is it about those people? I remember getting into elders meetings and us discussing this, and we would actually name names of people we saw in church. They're like, man, that person's really grown. She is really grown. She's sharing her faith, and, and I, I see her as a leader, and I see him as a leader. He's just really growing, and, and now they're, they're leading this Wednesday night study, and they're, they're doing this, and they're doing that. And we just saw all, all of these things, and we said, what is it? What is the common factor in all this? It's spiritual maturity. And I, and I said, okay, good. It's growing spiritually, but how are they growing? We, we came up with the three C's. Now, we teach the three C's in Discover Oakwood, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks, kind of our intro to Oakwood. We really get into it in um, Commitment 101, our membership class. But we said, how do people grow? And we, we, we found these three things at work, the, the three C's. Celebrate, connect, contribute. Celebrate, connect, contribute. First of all, we celebrate. We celebrate and worship. And we found that these people that are growing, these people that are becoming spiritual giants and effective for kingdom work, they make attending Sunday mornings, the gathering of the saints, celebrating worship, they make that a priority in their life. I mean, they're just always here. They're not here 1.2 times per month or 2.3, or they always got the next activity that they could put in place of worship of God. They take serious what it says in Hebrews 13 when it says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints and all the more as you see that judgment day approaching. We saw that they were engaged on Sunday mornings. They were here and they were worshiping the Lord and that was a high priority in their life. The second thing was, the second thing was is that they connect. They connect with other Christians. They were involved in a small group. Uh, they were involved in a, in a Sunday school class. Uh, they had some way they were connected with other Christians. And you could see them having those relationships of iron that sharpens iron, that they would pour into someone and that person would be able to, to pour into them. And there was accountability there and this beautiful uh, relationship that's based on love and grace and trust and, and this idea that we're going to help each other grow. We're both going to end up deeper in Christ. And so we, we knew they were celebrating. We, we said they connect. And the last thing was they contribute. They contribute. They actually weren't just using the resources of the church. They were actually using their spiritual gifts and their talents and abilities and personality and experience. And they were using those and putting those into kingdom work effectiveness. And they were serving on ministry teams and leading small groups or Sunday school classes. They were teaching. Uh, they, they were always serving and seeing where can I use 
my abilities and put them into kingdom service? Where can I become a kingdom worker for God? Inside the body of Christ and all the ministries of God's church, but even outside of the body of Christ. That maybe they had some ministry or, or some personal evangelism that's going on in their community, which, which all Christians are called to do that. And this spiritual maturity seemed to breed this kingdom effectiveness. And effective kingdom workers are always growing spiritually, which leads us to the second thing this morning. We grow. How do we grow? We grow through knowledge of the word and spiritual training. We grow through the knowledge of the word and spiritual training. When we come together on Sunday mornings, we don't come to hear a word. We come to hear the word. Because really, anything that I say doesn't matter if it's not based on Scripture. Everything that we do in life and all matters of faith and practice in the Christian's life is always based upon the Word of God. That's why it says in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed. In 2 Peter, it talks about how uh, Scripture came to us not through man, but, but through the Holy Spirit, bringing God's men along who wrote down the Bible. We are called to effective kingdom work through growing spiritually through the word and through spiritual training. We come to hear the word of God. We come to study the word of God. The Bible is the most important book of all time and is really the only one you need to know well. Some of you may read other books, but you don't need to know what those books say. Some of you may read your newspaper or, or articles online, but again, that's just seeming knowledge that will pass away reading the Bible is important. I've read the Bible through a couple times in my life, but this year I wanted to make it a priority to do it like this calendar year. So in the Bible app, I have a plan that I'm going through. And if you're friends with me through the, through the Bible app, um, you've, you can see it when you go to the community post that every day I'm, I'm, I'm doing this Bible app. I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. And it has been amazing. I just, I cannot express enough, and I started in Genesis, and, you know, it skips a little bit around in the app. It's a reading plan, but it's mainly stayed in chronological order um, and, and in biblical order. Now I'm in the book of Job. It's been interesting reading that over the last 10 days in my devotional time. And if you know the book of Job, you know what I'm talking about. 37 chapters. I'm like, who are these guys, right? I mean, if you know the story of Job, Job was wealthy and had everything going for him in life. He loses it all in a day. He's stricken with an illness. And these three friends come and they have these what are called cycles of dialogue. And for 37 chapters, they're trying to figure out why God does what he does or why he allows what he allows. Because if you know the backstory and you read chapter 1 and 2, you know the devil had approached God and said, Hey, I know he's really faithful now when it's easy, but what about when it gets hard? Will Job be your servant when it gets hard? Let's find out. And God said, Fine, test him. Just don't take his life, but test him. Make him sick, take all of his thing, you know, do whatever, but don't take his life. And so we're in 37 chapters of human knowledge trying to figure this out. And then you get to chapter 38, which was yesterday's Devo for me. And I love it because it says, and God, it's kind of like you know, the beginning of 38, God finally spoke. And God said, where were you when I created the earth? And I was like, mic drop. I mean, you can't compete with that. I mean, I mean, can you? Can you? Can you? I mean, it's just like it's over. I mean, if you're questioning God and, and it comes to this point and God's like, well, where were you when I created the earth? Like, do you have knowledge that I don't have? You're more powerful than I am? And it just reminded me of God's sovereignty over every circumstance, over every situation in life, the good and the bad. And he tells us in scripture, it's not going to be made perfect till we get to heaven. 
okay? We're aliens in this world. This world isn't even our home, so don't long to stay here and have it be perfect here. No, that is to come. That is in the life to come that lasts forever for believers. It was just a great reminder. You can't have that if you don't read the scripture. You just can't have this relationship with God with this deeper understanding in this well that just comes from this time that you spend with the Lord in reading his word. If you want to be a kingdom worker with great kingdom effectiveness, then you spiritually train yourself by being in the word of God every day. Now, the church got a hold of this, and it really went back to the 1950s, as best I could tell. I wasn't alive then. So. But as best I could tell, it started in the 1950s. And some of you were alive in the 1950s, okay? And that's okay. We love you, okay? That's why we're doing Throwback Sunday next week, right? It's, you know, going back to the 90s. But, but in the 1950s, if you looked at how the church was structured pastorally, you actually saw that many churches had this ministry position that you don't see as much today. And it was called the Christian Education Minister. Now, that sounds like, you know, very school. Well, yeah, they had Sunday school, right? They were very strategic about this. Sunday school was very important because Sunday school was education from the word of God. And this minister or this pastor that was called the Christian education minister, their job was from the cradle to the grave for all age spans in the church, they're going to look at curriculum, look at Bible verses, look at stories, what do people need to know? And they're gonna put together a plan, a scope and a sequence to take people from the time they're two years old and first learning about scripture and about God all the way through their senior adult years. And we're gonna educate them in the word. Now, statistically this worked. And we did this really well into the 70s and even into the early 80s. But if you looked at biblical knowledge of Christians in comparison, there's been studies on this from, say, 1975, and you compared that to a Christian today in 2021, they said our biblical knowledge compared to back then has tanked. And I'm like, really? I mean, what's our excuse? We've got Bibles all over the place in multiple translations. You go to Roost Christian Bookstore, pick one up, right? We have it on these devices, right? I mean, you can download the Bible, you download the Bible app, you get the Bible through our app at the church. I mean, what excuse do we have to be biblically illiterate today? What is it? We have to, we have to be strategic. <clears throat> we have to want to grow. We have to want to be discipled and to grow. I want to point out something to you that we're kind of changing a little bit this fall here at Oakwood. And hopefully when you came in, you got a bulletin. I know some of you are non-bulletin people. But if you got one today, you probably saw this little yellow thing sticking out the side. There are several of you. I see the yellow flashes there. If you didn't get one, I know that you're on high alert now. It's okay. Get up and go grab one if you need to. Or get one after the service. But these are important. Every week they're important. But this insert, this is going to be in there for the next three weeks is about what we're doing on Wednesday nights this fall. And we invite you to be a part of this. This is our Wednesday night fall discipleship lineup. We're calling it Oakwood U, Oakwood University. Okay, your mission is out there. Your training starts here. That's what the church is intended to be, a training center for Christians to be educated in the faith, educated in the knowledge of the word of God, and then go use that in their ministries. And if you open this up, it just lists all of our offerings this fall. 
ABC's of Financial Freedom. Uh, there's a college discipleship group. So college students that are in Enid, uh, man, be a part of that. How to build a strong, God-honoring marriage. Discovering your shape for kingdom work. Amy and I are going to be teaching that. And we're going to get into uh, where's your best fit in ministry. And if you're one of those that that's what's holding you back, then, then come join us. Uh, intro to the Bible. Rusty's going to be teaching um, introduction to the Bible. Because so many people are just like, I, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to study. He's actually going to give you a background of how it was written. And, and by this many authors over this many years, it's going to be great. And you're going to walk out of there with a deeper understanding of the word of Scripture. You're going to walk out of there uh, with a deeper love of the Scripture, I think, too, and ways to study it. Heart-based Christian parenting. Man, we have to raise the next generation of Christ followers. Christianity is always one generation from extinction. And if you've been around a lot of our youth, a lot of our kids today, We've got to do a better job as parents. We have excellent uh, parenting. Uh, if you turn over to the back, there's some more. Uh, witness essentials. Evangelism that makes disciples. I mean, if none of these other ones appeal to you, go to witness essentials and learn how to share your faith in a very strategic way that will actually not make converts into Jesus Christ, but make fully devoted, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. We also have some connect groups there. There's a men's discipleship group. And all of this is to help you grow in knowledge of the word. You may say, well, a lot of these are, are, are topical. All of these are based on scripture. All, all of these are going to have scripture in them every week. You're going to be facing the word of God every week. And the whole end goal is that you would grow deeper and grow more and become spiritual giants and be equipped and be prepared and ready to go into kingdom service. And after we do this fall semester, we're going to do another semester in January. I'll have a couple other new classes, but some of these will be repeated then. So don't get caught up in, oh, I can only go to one. I need to go to three of these. You, they'll be offered again. But we want you to get into discipleship. And maybe that's your next step. We're, we're doing something uh, really cool this fall, too, that I'm excited about. Uh, we're ha bringing back Wednesday night dinners. We have missed that time of fellowship on Wednesday nights. And for so many people, when they work, it's hard for me to get to church. It's hard for me to eat. And so 5.15 to 6.15, every Wednesday night, we're going to be serving Wednesday night dinners. We would love for you to come to be a part of that. Lori Giesling has volunteered to do that for us. And she's cooked our Thanksgiving dinner for years. So it's going to be really, really good. Um, just, just, man, we're trying to remove all the obstacles to you being a part of Wednesday night. So we, we invite you to come and be a part of that. Come and grow in knowledge of the word and become spiritually trained. Third thing this morning, last thing this morning. We are not called to be spiritual consumers, but kingdom contributors. We are not called to be spiritual consumers, but kingdom contributors. Now, I want to start by saying this. There's a time when we first come to Christ Jesus that we're obviously going to be a consumer, and there's no shame in that. We should. We should be in a grow time, understanding that, that in this season of, of life where it's kind of early in our faith, we will be more consumers than we are contributors. But we're not to stay there. In fact, many people, right after they uh, make that decision for Christ Jesus and they begin learning the scripture and learning the Bible, they are already contributing. They will sign up for a ministry team right away. That is part of their spiritual growth. And if you want to know what might be a Trojan horse and slowly killing the church today, it might be rampant Christian consumerism. That we just come and we don't serve. 
in church circles and conferences I go to, they call this the 80-20 rule. That, that 80% of the people in the church are not conducting ministry, they're not contributing in any way, and 20% people do. It's almost like this, that 80% of the people do 20% of the kingdom work, and that 20% of the people do 80% of the kingdom work. I don't know that that bears out exactly what we call the 80-20 rule, but I imagine that it's somewhere around there. Because we have some very, very dedicated people. We have people that are involved in multiple ministries in God's church. I just think, what if everyone did their part? What if everyone was a kingdom worker? 1 Peter 2.2 says this. It's a reminder of when we first come to Christ. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, and that milk is the word of God. Crave this pure spiritual milk so that by it you may what? You may grow up in your salvation. You see, it's a growth process. We may, we may start as consumers, but we, growing, we are growing every day into contributors. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 in the message, uh, a paraphrase of Scripture. I just love the way it says this. Uh, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 says this. So come on, let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ, and let's get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place, and God helping us will stay true to all of that, but there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Growing. Not just being consumers, but being contributors. Growing into maturity in Christ Jesus. Think about it this morning. What is your next step? Because I challenge you with this thought. Maybe your next step is to take off the bib and to put on an apron. Do you understand what I'm saying? For some of us, for some of us, do we really need another Bible study this fall? I mean, if you were looking at the fall lineup just now and you're, you and your spouse are kind of like, well, there's really nothing there for us, then maybe it's time to put on an apron. Now, you could do that literally by helping us with Wednesday night dinners. We need people to serve and help carry plates and be hospitable, um, help, help in the kitchen, cleaning up and doing pots and pans and all that stuff. So literally, you could put on an apron this fall and, and help us out in that way. But maybe, maybe you're one of those that you need to say, you know what, I'm going to contribute and I'm not going to be a consumer. And, and you know what? I, I, I'm ready to serve. I'm, I'm going to work in the children's ministry this fall. I'm going to take that hour on Wednesday nights. I'm going to use that for kingdom work. And, and I'm going to start pouring into that next generation. Maybe for some of you, it's for teenagers. It's you becoming a youth sponsor. You're saying, you know what? It's time for me to step up and start pouring into someone else. And not just be consuming. I mean, how many Bible studies... And classes and growth does one need before one is ready? And I think sometimes, you know, we, 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 we think, well, I'm just not quite ready. When are you really ready? I mean, part of this is a step of faith, to trust that God's going to give you everything you need to lead in the area that he's called you to. That's why we want you to go out to that kingdom worker wall. That's why we want you to consider, how can I serve the Lord? How can I move if I'm one of those that I'm a consumer? I come and I consume the resources of the church over and over again, but I have not been a kingdom contributor. Maybe that's your next step. Your faith step to following Christ Jesus is to take off the bib and to put on an apron and to serve. 
As we're closing this morning, I know what some of you are thinking. I've got a really good excuse. Because in the Bible, there were never any good excuses, right, for running away from God, Jonah. But yet we do it, right? We got good, I'm, I'm busy. My kid's in this sport, that sport, this sport, that sport. Uh, when school starts, we, did, we just don't have, we just don't have time. Uh, you know, I, I've got this other thing that's going on over here on the side. I'm distracted by this thing in the world. You know, I'm, I'm pursuing my career right now, and it just will not allow me to do kingdom work. And, and uh, you know, we, we could come up with all these excuses. But then there's, other, there's another type of excuse, and this may be worse than some of those. It's something deep within you that says, you know what? I know God's given me some talents and abilities, but I'm just not good enough. I wonder how many people have sat on the sidelines of ministry because they thought, God can't use me because I'm just not good enough. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the upbringing in church. You know, so many of my friends grew up in the church. I came to church when I was 29 years old. There's no, I just don't know how God's going to use me. Some people are like, you know, I'm just old. I'm just getting old. I mean, I get out of bed and I'm in pain every day and I just don't know that I can, you know, what, what kingdom work does God have for me? That's what I love about Vacation Bible School. I mean, folks, do you understand? We, we, we got some 60, 70, and 80-year-olds serving in Vacation Bible School doing a great job for the kingdom. We, we could come up with all these excuses. Now, let me just share some excuses from the Bible. There are some people you might recognize, some names of some people from the scripture that you might be, oh, I've heard of them. And think about what good excuses they had not to do kingdom work. Noah had a dysfunctional family, and yet God used him to save the whole entire human race. Abraham was a foreigner, and yet God called him to lead his people, Israel, and he became the father of a nation. Joseph was hated by his brothers and falsely imprisoned, and God used him to save Israel. Moses couldn't speak very well, but God used him to free a nation. You remember that? Moses didn't want to talk to the most powerful person in the world, Pharaoh. Rahab was a prostitute, but God used her to win a battle. Gideon was afraid. God used him to conquer a nation. Samson had a weakness for women, but God used him to defeat the Philistines. David, King David, was an adulterer, a murderer, and a liar, and yet God used him and his house and his lineage to bring about his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Samuel was just a little boy, but God used him to prophesy to kings. Jeremiah was wealthy, but God used him to prophesy to an entire nation. Hosea was married to a prostitute. Nehemiah was a slave. John the Baptist was poor. Simeon was really, really old. Mary was just a teenager. Zacchaeus was a short guy. Yes, a wee little man. Peter was uneducated and an ordinary fisherman. Matthew was an outcast businessman. Simon the Zealot was a terrorist. Paul hated and killed Christians. And Timothy was considered too young for ministry, effectiveness, and service. And yet God used him to lead a church. It's a lot of excuses, a lot of good reasons God won't use these people. And if you know their stories, because some of those names you recognized, if you know the word of Scripture, you can stand back and go, wow. If God could use them with all those excuses and all those issues, then maybe, 
Maybe you're right. Maybe I need to become a contributor. Maybe I need to start looking for ways for me to be a giver and not just a taker when it comes to the kingdom of God. Like I said earlier, there's going to be a season where we're takers. And we may go in and out of that sometimes as we struggle. But I wonder how you'd be growing spiritually if you were a kingdom contributor. Some of us, it's age, right? It's our ability. We question our kingdom usefulness. And I want to remind you this morning that it's based on Jesus' power and Jesus' strength. I want to share a story as we close this morning. It's a friend of mine here in the church. Her name is Yvonne. I think, Yvonne, you're here this morning, aren't you? She's sitting right over here where she usually sits. Yvonne, do you mind waving your arm or standing up? She's not scared. You wave it, wave it high, stand up. I want you to know this is a real person over here. This is Yvonne. Okay, Yvonne, and I asked her if I could do this, okay? She is 86 years young, 86 years young. And I want to share a story about Yvonne. This summer, uh, when we had our high school group going to CIY, you might remember, uh, as they were going to CIY, we had these prayer tags in the lobby. And we, we come to the church and said, would you go as you leave today and go in one of these baskets and grab one of these prayer tags and, and pray for these students, like, like pray for them over the next couple of weeks? Well, Yvonne said, you know what? I'm 86 years old. I don't relate to the youth much. I can't be a youth sponsor on Wednesday night and go play the games and run around with them. I, I'm not even sure, you know, conversationally what we talk about. I mean, I don't know how much I have in common with them. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how I could, you know, relate to them or minister to them. But you know what? I can pray. And so she went out and got a tag of a student named Caleb. Just a tag with the name Caleb. And she started praying for Caleb. She prayed for Caleb three or four times a day. After the students got back from Christ and Youth Conference, a couple Sundays later, Yvonne is sitting here in second service and she sees a student getting baptized. His name is Caleb. And after Caleb was baptized, she went into the decision room to let him know there's a picture of this that we, we got when she got in there to tell Caleb, hey, I have been praying for you for a couple weeks here. I mean, three or four times a day, you've been on my mind. I've been praying that you would grow in your knowledge of the Lord, that you, that you would just, just be so full of Jesus. And I got to see you be baptized today. And then there's another picture of after sharing the story. I'm telling you what, there weren't a dry eye in that room. Yvonne is 86 years young, and Yvonne is a kingdom worker. And she said, you know, I may not be able to do everything I once did. And she, she taught kids Sunday school for a long time, 40 or 50 years. I'm not, I'm not so sure we couldn't get her back there today. Um, but she said, you know what, I can't maybe do some of this stuff. But I'm going to quit making excuses. I'm going to do what I can do. And I can go grab a tag, and I can pray for a student that ends up giving their life to the Lord. Yvonne is a kingdom worker. And God says, what if I had six, seven, eight hundred of those at Oakwood?
Not people that are just going to consume, but they're going to contribute. And they're going to do what they can do. They're like the little boy when, when Jesus with the, was with the crowd, had to feed 5,000. The disciples are distraught. Where are we going to get food for these people? They're all going to go away. They're not going to hear the rest of your message, Jesus. And you say, hey, the Lord will provide. And a little boy comes up and says, hey, I've got five loaves of bread and two fish. I don't know how far that will go, but you can have it. And the Lord blesses it, and you know the story. Five loaves and two fish feeds 5,000 people till they were full. And maybe that's what God wants from you this morning. It's for you to just say, I'm available. Use me, Lord. I'm going to trust on your power. I'm going to trust that you're not going to put me in a position where I don't have everything I need in Christ Jesus. If he can overcome death, I think I can serve and grow and prepare myself by growing to be an effective kingdom worker. As we get to respond to the message this morning, we're going to take Holy Communion together. I always get this image in my mind at this time that we are gathered around what we call the Lord's table. This is also referenced in scripture as the Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, I want you to do this and, and, and to take these emblems in remembrance of me. And this, this, this cracker, this bread represents my body and this cup represents my blood. And I always picture that we would all be gathered around this, this long table and Jesus is at the head. And it seems like Jesus could look into our very minds and our very hearts. I'm like, what would Jesus want to know in that moment before we would take of these emblems, before we'd remember his sacrifice? I think he'd want us, I think he would question and want to know, are you, are you all in? Are, are you loving me? in such a way, are you appreciating the, my sacrifice in such a way that it would actually spur you on toward love and good deeds? I want you to think of that as you commune with your Savior this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to have this moment with you where we gather around your table. Lord, I pray that you would just be with us and look into our very hearts in this moment. Lord, if there's any unconfessed sin in us, Lord, if we need to just confess to you the apathy we've had toward our kingdom work, that we've been like a dead arm of the church because we just, we've been consuming. Lord, maybe for some of us, it's just because we've been consuming too long. We're just bloated with the word of God and nowhere to be put into use. God, as we... Take this bread and this cup. We remember the sacrifice. Remind us, Lord, that everything that we need for life and godliness is found in you. Everything we need to walk a path of righteousness is found in you. All the power we need to live a righteous and holy life, to be the righteousness of God that we read about earlier, to be your ambassadors and your witnesses to the world, everything that we need, you've given us in Christ Jesus. And as we take this communion, Lord, help that to be our motivation to be kingdom workers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just take a few minutes and commune with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning?